Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Thank you for joining us as we strive to become better, braver, happier painters. Well, Mike, looks like it's finally going to happen. We're going to be the ones being interviewed. Oh man, it's going to be so weird. I mean, even worse, we might have to be on camera too. And I, I got to tell you, I look great on radio. Can't guarantee what happens on camera. So why did we create this again? <laughs> no, man, what were, <laughs> what were you thinking? But yeah, actually, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, we're going into a friendly environment. Uh, we're going to be on the Crow's Nest, hosted by Michael Proctor of Clever Crow Studios and Jason Weeby, who's an amazing sculptor. And he's also pretty well known. It's hosted on the Reaper Twitch channel. That's right. We'll be on their show on Tuesday, April 13th at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's 6 p.m. in the real world. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> I have to say that because I need to remind myself, too. And as an added bonus, we've actually invited Michael back on our show. And he's going to talk to us. What we talk about is how his show is going. And I'm actually on an interview, too. So without further ado, we are pleased to present Michael Proctor of Clever Crow Studios. Michael, thank you so much for returning to the show. Hmm. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you know, this is interview 2.1, because when we did the first one, let's just say a certain platform designed originally for video games decided that it didn't want to record. Uh, it was probably user error. So my apologies. And again, thank you so much for your patience, Michael. Oh, no worries. No problem at all. And also this time in the second interview, we have Dan with us. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So actually, you know, if we keep this going, it just by it might be like two mics one dan show or something like right. <laughs> listening to paint try with michael mike and dan <laughs> uh all right so uh so let's kick all this off here uh as mike said uh thanks to the other mike we need to come up with like mike one and mike two or michael or something no, like just that. call him michael and me mike Okay, so we'll, yes, that's what I will do. So thanks a lot, Michael, for uh, for joining us. Uh, so I've heard there's quite a bit of news going on with Clever Crow Studios, but first we want to hear about what else is going on with your new addition to your family. <laughs> yeah, we um, we brought into our family a, a golden retriever puppy. Um, she uh, her name's Miko. She is now just turning um, five months tomorrow. Um, so we've had her for three months. So we got her right uh, as December started. And she has gone from maybe 12 pounds and she's getting close to 40 pounds already. She is growing so fast. She's huge. But yeah, she's a blast. She's fantastic. She's been a great addition. It's just my wife and I at the house and we both work from home. And, uh, you know, with everything that's going on, it's not like we're traveling a ton. So it was a great opportunity to bring another puppers back into the family. And um, she's been on a lot of the streaming episodes. She's been a lot of the Reaper stuff that I do. She's kind of, she, she does a lot of cameo appearances, appearances. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's amazing, you know, some of the, all the downsides of, of the pandemic that have gone on one of the plus signs that i've seen is that so many people have adopted pets and that shelters are actually getting cleared out and such like that so you know i, I think this might have been a plot by dogs around the world to keep humans home 
maybe, maybe. Yeah, we we ended up getting um, Miko's a golden retriever. If I didn't say it earlier, and and uh, we did get end up getting her from a breeder. Um, we've had multiple golden retrievers before, but when every when the pandemic was going on, we did want to get another golden. We couldn't find one, and we looked through the shelters for rescues, um, and we were looking for a bigger dog, some kind of golden retriever mix or something like that, and. You couldn't, you know, everything was gone. All the pups were gone. So that's good news, I guess. Um, but yeah, um, so finally we were just kind of giving up. And then we got a, a lady reached out to us that we knew we had contacted long before the pandemic started. So it was just kind of fate at that point. We we're kind of giving up, kind of like we were just going to wait. And then she reached out and yeah, it was just all meant to be. Perfect. That's a, that's awesome. You know, I, I could talk dogs all day, but you know, I guess we gotta, we gotta get to the painting side. <laughs> um, so the other big, big thing that happened uh, after our fir- very first interview, uh, I believe, which was released back in February of last year um, was you started a Twitch show. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So tell us how that came to be. Yeah. So I had Reaper, I was out at Reaper October of year before last. So 15 plus months ago. And we had done a couple of uh, painting tutorial videos. Uh, Reaper just set up their their studio. They'd started doing some uh, Twitch broadcasting, Reaper Live in particular, and um, they had started a little toolbox uh, session where myself, Rhonda, and Forrest, or other folks had just shot little tutorial videos. And in one of those, uh, Brother Dave, um, one of the co-owners of Reaper, came up to me and said, hey, we're going to start doing we want to do like a, we're start doing more weekly shows would you be interested i'm like ah i don't know and of course this is right before the pandemic and I'm like yeah why not let's we'll, we'll think about it and i really didn't think much was going to happen from it afterwards um sometimes ideas prop up uh, pop up and and never come to realization but as we got closer and this started i think we actually started doing shows in mid to late March, um, and that's when the pandemic hit, and Justin with Reaper reached out and said, let's do it. So they sent me some equipment, and we set it up, and um, while while that was all in process, I started doing some watching various painting of uh, Twitch shows, and really was everything was already, I don't know, in my opinion, so many people were doing painting shows, and they already had a number of painting shows. So Justin and I were just kind of talking about what could we do that's just a little bit different. Um, so we kind of came up with the, the formulation of the idea was paint clubs. Um, you know, when you go and get your friends together, it's non-pandemic times and you can go meet on a Saturday and everybody can meet at, at, at a game store or whatever and, and hang out and just, you know, talk about what's going on. And you're always focused on the hobby and talking about things and maybe you're meeting new people. Um, so that was kind of the idea, and it took a little bit. Our very first show was just me painting because we were still trying to figure out what to do. But we also, with Reaper, we would do these informal kind of artist cons um, where myself and Rhonda Bender and Jen Greenwald and the sculptors and Bobby Jackson and Gene Van Horn, Jason Wiebe. We'll talk about Jason a little bit more in a second. And uh, Bob and Julie um, Bob, Rob Adolfi and Julie Guthrie and, and a few others um, will get together maybe once or twice a year and just hang out for a week at Reaper and, and paint and sculpt and stuff like that. So with the pandemic going on and us not being able to do that, um, 
I thought it would be a good opportunity to try to reconnect with the friends and everything during that time. So we started me doing a painting show with me and Justin, and then we started having guests. Um, and I think my very first guest, who was my first guest? I don't know if I, I think that might've been Bobby Jackson, um, uh, was maybe my first guest. I'm not, I, I can't remember. Um, but we've had Bobby on, we've had Gene Van Horn. It was really a chance for me to hang out, talk to them. And it was kind of ended up being an interview show, but it was more of, uh, just hanging out and, you know, and talking and, and reconnecting. And it really helped me personally through, you know, the lockdown time. Um, so it started and just started going from there. And I honestly thought I'll do a few of these. No one will like them <laughs> and I'll stop doing them and it'll be over and I can check that box. Um, but you know, people tend to, I think they liked it and it, it's been a nice distraction. Um, we get pretty good viewership on the time that we're streaming, but we get um, a lot of follow-up people watching afterwards. So it's been good. It's been, it's been good and it's been good to reconnect. And we did that for a while and I'm kind of rambling here, but I wanted to make sure there was a point where it became a lot of work and I have a kind of a regular gig uh, job um, where I have to, you know, focus all the time. But then I wanted to make sure I'm dedicating some prep time to the, to the show. And I uh, asked uh, Jason Wiebe, who'd been on a, multi a number of times. And in one episode, I had Jason on and we couldn't think about what to do. So Jason in interviewed me. And that was kind of nice. I hadn't been on the other side of it. Um, and then right after that show, as soon as we finished that show, I was like, no, no brainer, Jason, I need, I want you to come on with me and interview. And I was kind of, you guys actually, the two of you doing the interviews together is what kind of made me think I shouldn't do this alone. I should have a sidekick, um, and somebody to help with the questions. And cause Jason has a totally different take on questions and ideas and just a mental process than me. So, um, it's been a lot of fun. Well, when you first started, even though you were interviewing and, and doing these uh, these streams with people that you knew, uh, were you kind of nervous doing that? <laughs> totally. I remember the the very first show. Um, is I thought there was so much dead air. I mean, I'm 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 I purposefully scheduled people that I you know were really close friends with, so at least that wasn't an issue, right? That wasn't like um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know this person well enough. I don't know what questions to ask them. That was fine. But I just, I don't know. I was just really self-aware uh, of uh, looking like an, a moron. Um, so I, after the first show, I just, I got on air with Justin afterwards. I'm like, that sucked. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> that was so horrible. And he goes, no, it really wasn't. He goes, go back and listen to it again. And I thought there was all this dead air and there really wasn't, and it seemed to flow. And I think as time went on, my questions maybe got a little bit better. Um, I have uh, Rhonda Bender and Jen Greenwald. Um, I, I will, if I have some guests on that they know or they're familiar with, um, we'll kind of brainstorm questions. So not all the questions are coming out of my little model brain. <laughs> no, I mean, I got to say, you do a really good job. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm very impressed with the questions that you you and Jason ask, uh, and I actually model, I, I've watched a few and I'm like, hmm, I need to ask that of guests as well. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, we try to stick. We, we want to 
and especially as we've gone along, I always want to, if it's that guest's first time on, I want to do an origin story for them. Now, why are you in this hobby? What got you into it? Why are you, um, you know, why are you so passionate about miniature, either sculpting, painting, or what have you? Um, I, I want, I want, I want to hear that story myself, but I think it helps a lot of other folks going, yeah, I did that, or wow, I never thought of that. Um, that's really what, oh yeah, I remember those old uh, Grenadier miniatures or Ralpartha miniatures or Poly S paints or whatever. So that's kind of nice to, to talk about those things too. And then with Jason, he's just got such a wealth of knowledge and where I can bring in the history and, and my experiences with painting. Um, we've had a number of great sculptors on and, you know, Jason's great and, and walking down, he can walk down that sculpting road with them. So I guess the follow on with that is kind of uh, how do you guys develop content? Like what is do you have a process or uh, is it and if it's, you know, there is no process. That's awesome, too. <laughs> um, Reaper's hashtag that they use for Reaper Live is hashtag we aren't professionals. Um, <laughs> that that does trickle down to our show as well. It is us texting back and forth. Hey, who do you want on next week? I don't know. Do you got anybody you want on? Uh, hmm. What about that this person? so familiar. You're right, exactly. <laughs> what about this person? Oh, okay. Do you want to ask him? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him. Oh, crap. That person can't do it this week. Okay, well, let, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, you know, and, and it ends up, yeah, it ends up looking like we've planned something, but it's, it's, we're usually sending out invites, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday of that week, maybe Monday, Tuesday. Um, <laughs> you know, we've had Gene on a few times, and, and uh, Gene Van Horn's a really super close friend. We're roomies at cons and stuff like that. But his joke is, what, couldn't you get anybody else? Um, <laughs> so he thinks he thinks he's our default, and I, I, won't, I won't admit to that. I will not admit to that, I should say. <laughs> That sounds so familiar, Dan. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm like cracking up over here. That's exactly like what our conversations are. Yeah, and we want to with a lot of these folks. Um, initially, there's the core folks that you know, and we're getting mostly Reaper folks that are watching our um, streams because it's on the Reaper Twitch channel. But um, and a lot of the sculptors and and painters that are quote unquote there commissioned or staff painters or sculptors or whatever they're their go-to folks but then we wanted to reach out and and a little bit deeper into the community and and uh you know maybe a, hit some painters that we know really well but that the community don't know as well and give them examples and then other ones that have maybe started off their little sideline businesses or they have patreons or they have blogs or whatever it's we're trying to turn the show into not just about us talking about Reaper stuff, um, but let's bring some guests on and talk about their stuff too. And we had Tom Mason on last week. Um, Tom's been sculpting for years, but not maybe not as pe many people know his name, but he has a ton of credits, not only with Reaper, but with a number of other companies and he's done his own Kickstarters as well. So it was fun to plug his Kickstarters and to see you know, in the comments of the Twitch stream, everybody going, "Oh yeah, I remember that. I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna late pledge for that, right?" And so it right. was it was neat to see that. You know, it was neat to see trying to spread the love in the community. Right, and you know that's actually your your intent is kind of originally our our intent too was kind of melding worlds and you know like, uh, 
we we kind of have a mix of audience of reaper gw type type people and so like you know like gw people might not have uh you might not be as well known among like tabletop war gamers as you are among the dungeons and dragons side or like kind of the reaper side but likewise likewise david soper who you know who's an amazing artist but most only paints really gw figures uh no, but probably most people in the Dungeon Dragon side don't know him either, and so it's a great way to bridge communities and stuff along those lines. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, yeah, I it's I'm kind of in my little niche, um, and so it's nice to put myself outside of that and see what what other people are doing. So it's kind of cool. I want to go back to something that we, uh, or actually some you touched on before, and that was uh, about asking, you know, questions. You know, you write your questions out, or you think about mm-hmm. uh, what you're going to do mm-hmm. and planning. So, how exactly do you do that when you're trying to paint? How are you able uh, to do both of them? <laughs> I've, all, I will have a little notepad of paper, and in a couple of episodes, I've, uh, I, it will, show, it, I will accidentally show it on my uh, palette cam. Um, so you could see which questions I might be asking again, hashtags, not, not professionals, <laughs> but I will just draw, I'll just jot out two or three word questions, you know, ask about origin story, ask about, um, how they got into the hobby. What's their favorite scale. Um, I, if I know them and, and they painted, we had Tish Walter on who, um, does likes a lot of historical stuff. She's done a lot of stuff for, um, Reaper as well. I know she's really into, um, uh, English monarchy. Um, so I asked, you know, it's like, okay, tell me more about why you're into that. And, you know, w- what do you know? So I'll even, especially if I'm friends with them on Facebook, I'm, I'll go in a lot of times to mine for questions of, I'll just look through their feed and see what's, what they've done recently, what they're into, um, what their likes are. Um, and then we, we have, we get on air on, on Twitch or our streaming thing, 30 minutes prior to going live. Um, and then we'll just kind of talk a little bit and, um, I'll run a few questions just to make sure they're, <laughs> they're not, <laughs> I don't ask something they don't want me to ask. Um, yeah, it hasn't been the case yet, but, um, yeah, and just it, there, it, make sure that we're hitting and plugging what we needed to do as well. Um, so. So I have to, I have to ask this question, you know, I know, uh, I'm going off script here, Dan. I'm calling it audible. But one of the common things with your your adjacent show is that we have this symbol that's in the downright uh, right hand corner of your Twitch about what it's get on the bus or get under it or get yeah. the bus go, something along those lines. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's get on or get under. Yeah, get on or get under. Now, let yeah. me ask this: How many times have you gone into a show going, "All right, I got one for Weeby. I'm gonna throw uh, Weeby under the bus." <laughs> you know. Most most of the bus comments, at least, that come from me and and for everybody, and really how this started is so when you hang out with your friends and your buddies, you end up, you know, you're close and you you learn things about folks and you're gonna give each other shit. You're gonna just gonna you know joke with each other, and um, that's kind of where the bus thing came from. I like to give people a hard time, and the more hard time I give people, the more I joke with them, the more I like them. Um, because that's just, I feel comfortable with them and I know they can take it and that's just my personality. So I don't know, even know how it wasn't ever intentional that it was going to be, you know, getting the bus. It's basically getting the bus uh, driven over. Oh yeah. You just had that. You just got the bus ridden, driven over you. Um, yeah. And it's just some offhanded comment or digging on you and everything. And then 
one thing led to another, then, it, you know, get on or get under. And then Jason took that little statement. And this was even prior to him joining the show. And, and uh, he made that little graphic. Um, and we might have some kind of uh, other item related to the bus coming up. Um, I'm hoping that we can have some kind of announcement. Maybe on Friday, we're doing a, uh, a panel on sculpting uh, Friday afternoon-ish. Um, so look out for, yeah. Um, check that out, but we're going to have kind of a reveal on that. It's kind of neat, I think. Well, and, and if not, and we'll have it on a future episode. It's not just people because in the, I, I, you know, I was on the, in the Tom Mason Twitch watching and, you know, he kind of threw a big name company under the bus too. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. And that's Tom, I mean, um, just out of the blue. So yeah, what our kind of our motto is our, our guests are immune from us dr driving the bus over them, not, but not totally immune. Like if I have Ron on, Ron Hawkins, it, it's, you know, all bets are off. He's not um, a guest. He doesn't <laughs> count. <laughs> no, he wants to take over the show and does do pub, do pubbing all the time on it. But no, he's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, we, we, a big name company got thrown into the bus, but it was all in jest and all in love. Okay. Well, I guess you've already started a little bit of it, but maybe uh, is there something on the show you haven't haven't done that you wanted to maybe give us a sneak? Is there a way we can grab a sneak preview of something that's coming down yeah. the road beside besides the whole maybe something with the bus? Uh, well, the, the bus <laughs> thing's out there. We're also um, outside of the bus. We are working on a few show specific kind of miniatures, um, too. Uh, we have a. Uh, a tea public and a Zazzle store out there that has, you know, t-shirts or whatever you want to make mugs or anything off of it. And, and, uh, we take, and we haven't really garnered any revenue from it at all. I think we've had like five total purchases, but <laughs> whatever we do, whenever we do get any money from it, we're going to take that and we're going to make some mugs or I don't know, masks or hopefully mask will be gone by that time, but whatever. And uh, we're going to hey, have in those Texas. giveaways. Right. No, I, you don't have any mask in Texas. I'm in Colorado. So Reaper's in Texas. No, I'm in Colorado, fortunately. Um, yeah, we, we, we can handle cold weather. So yeah, so there's, that's, that's kind of one example, I guess, of how the bus works. It's totally not planned. And that's the best bus uh, accidents are um, totally not planned. And, you know, they, the person doesn't see it coming or the state doesn't see it coming or right. whatever. Oh, so, but to back to teasing, um, we are one thing that we've been really efforting doing, and Tom was really the first kind of taste of this because he's done his own, he has his own miniature lines. Is we want to bring in um, some other companies, uh, smaller companies, ones that might need a little more attention than the biggies out there. Um, one that I am efforting that um, I have done a number of uh, pieces for over the year, actually, I was working on a few for him tonight, um, is Jim Ludwig with uh, Dark Sword. So um, he is going to be a guest on our show within the next month or so. Um, there's some new releases that are coming out. So I'm working on a few. Maybe we can, t we're hoping to tie in those to the show um, when we do it and everything. But yeah, uh, I, I, we'd like to bring more of those kind of folks on too. Um, maybe some folks 
outside of just the miniature world, um, Justin and I have been kind of talking about who else can we bring? Maybe some other Twitch streamers out there that are sort of connected. Um, we had Frank from Nightheart Gaming on, and and Frank does uh, Nightheart Gaming does streaming of on Twitch of D and D games, and he actually runs our Reaper Errant D and D show that's on every other Friday. Um, so I had him on once, and I'd like to maybe figure out a way to get more kind of D&D inspired. We have a, uh, a guy we work with and good friend of everybody's, um, Joseph Wolf, who does a lot of the, he runs a lot of the D&D um, campaigns and stuff at ReaperCons, but he also will, he writes games and D&D style games and concepts. So if you, those folks that have ever been to ReaperCon and have run through the original format games um they're kind of D, D inspired but you know they're in different world myth different worlds and different settings that's all out of the warped mind of joseph Wolt. so we want to have him on we had izzy collier on um izzy's a the 2d artist um from uh, from that mainly does uh, concept art for reaper um so we're trying to not just focus on just the painters and the sculptors but also what else, who else can we bring in um, we're working on a couple of folks that probably can't mention their names. They're big into casting and they do a lot of casting for a lot of small companies. So we want to, Jason's really close to them. So we're trying to get them on too. So we can talk about that process and uh, how that all works. Awesome. And we're, yeah, and we've always kind of, if you haven't, those who haven't seen the show, it's, um, we, it's me painting mainly. Um, and I'm sure I'm always going to be painting a Reaper figure and showing off something new and and should maybe showing off some new paints. I, there's another joke that's on the show is Reaper will uh, retire a number of paints um, over the over the years. And I will get some that are my favorites and and it's and inevitably Ed retires them. Um, and so I'll be painting on the show with the paint saying this is the best paint ever. And, and uh, Rhonda or somebody would text in chat will say, oh, yeah, Michael, that's retired. So nobody <laughs> could get that. So it's teasing of retired paints at the time, too. So. Yeah. Nice. I like that. that that's, you can have this. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's not even intentional, and I don't even go to look. Um, so yeah, there was you know paints that I'm like, oh, I really love this. This is going to be one of my go-tos, and I'll, I'll get a box of it. And so I don't ever have to worry about it again. So I didn't know um, that it retired. So it's like, this is the best paint. You guys should really try it. But yeah, so I do a lot of that. But we have been really trying to incorporate uh, more visuals on our shows now that we have our guests on, you know, and they're in, they're in video as well and, and streaming and um, showing off their work too. And uh, um, maybe, you know, at some point down the road, uh, I might have a few people on, like a few painters on, and we do some critiques of, of pieces. And we say this oh, is kind of, cool. and this is what, you know, this is kind of what we look at. We just have to find um, which one of us wants to show uh, a, show our own piece so <laughs> the other people can tear it apart. <laughs> so, so I'm sure I'll be the one that has to put it up there and have it all, uh, have it all torn down and everything. But that's just uh -huh. part of it. It's part of the fun. I'll give you a piece. You can tear, tear my stuff apart. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, you're probably going to need more than your hour on Twitch just to tear, you know, like one part apart, you know. You're like, no, this, no, no, this no. Is, this is our first of seven parts on why Mike's face painting skills are bad. 
<laughs> it was our original motto. Our original motto was "We suck at painting, so you don't have to." So, <laughs> I you know. I like that. I like that. I thought that was really good. <laughs> uh, well, better, braver, happier is much more positive. You know, that's well, it, it, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> You always have a, a, a motto behind the scenes, though, you know. Right. Kind of really driving, <laughs> you know. So not to switch gears, but let's continue talking about an, uh, painting, or at least we can continue uh. talking about painting, unless that's what I just said. All right. So when I get really, really bored and I'm checking out Facebook and mm-hmm. I stumble upon Clever Crow Studios, I notice there's this – uh, there's a lot of underwater type of miniatures and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Can you ex- talk to us a little bit about those projects? I, yeah, I'm, I um, am a scuba diver. My wife and I are uh, certified uh, rescue divers. Um, not that we've ever done that. You just, uh, as you get into it, that's just one more thing that you can learn. But we really just got, got the bug of scuba diving a few years ago and, and haven't been for the last three or four years. Um, but used to go uh, yearly on some trip, and we've been to the Caribbean, the South Pacific, and places like that. Um, and really just got a kick of being underwater and seeing all these cool things. And and uh, I, it just I don't know when I when it came when I got back, and every time I'd come back, and the next miniatures I would end up buying or or calling dibs from Ron or whatever would be aquatic related. Um, and then, so even with this last Kickstarter with Reaper, they had a whole deep, dark depths, I think was the name of the expansion in their bones Kickstarter. And, and, uh, I would have painted every single one if he, if Ron would have sent me all of them. Uh, I didn't get all of them, but I got a fair number of them. Um, so yeah, I really, I dig teals and, and purples. Um, those are some of my favorite colors to use. Um, there's a little cult of teal and purple. I think and a lot of painters love to love to fall into. Um, but yeah, it's just something about that vibe since it's something about, um, how unique it is and different it is. Um, I've told people before that, um, the first time I went diving and gone, went down into the coral, I was looking how all the different sea vegetation and coral and everything was formed really up close. And it reminded me of, uh, remember that the alien, the second aliens movie, when they go into that base and, and all the aliens have formed all their cocoon stuff on the walls and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, James, Cam- whoever, I think James Cameron did that movie. Um, I know he's, he must be a huge underwater guy. Well, he did the Titanic thing or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was it was really like oh wow that's where he got that inspiration from that's really cool and so just one thing led to another and then underwater stuff you can you can just go crazy with colors and you can be as bright as you want or as dull as you want you can just go nuts on it um, so yeah I, I that's it's it's a big interest of mine it's it's a big focus cool hmm so we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. And I want to bring this up again because I, I think it's super important is um, when I look at miniatures or I think about miniatures, the one thing that does not come to mind is art direction mm-hmm. and having someone direct how you paint. Mm-hmm. How, how would you explain that? How could we continue that conversation about what art direction is as a commission painter? Right. Um, and how, how, how does, how is that a little bit different than if you just want to do something on your own? 
So um, for me, I, I do 60, 70 plus percent of the work that I do is just my own stuff. But when I do um, co commission work, I really just uh, focus with two companies, primarily Reaper, but um, I also do, like I mentioned earlier, a number of stuff for Dark Sword. Um, and so it's really the art direction in a lot of ways even starts with the miniature that uh, I get assigned to work on. A lot of the a lot of times, and I'll uh, mention Jim Ludwig, he will call me or text me or you know message me an, an image of, of a miniature that he just got done. He goes, "This has your name all over it." And so with him, a lot of times it's it's uh, he's reaching out saying, "This is the miniature I want you to paint." Um, and because this, I, I know your style or the way you approach things would, would go well to this figure, which is always a huge compliment. Um, so that's nice. And we'll generally have a conversation. And most of the time, the art direction is on more mood um, or overall vibe. Uh, with Ron Hawkins at, at Reaper, um, he will, he will give me kind of a, blank slate to run with um but if i if we do talk um he will say okay i want we, there's a lot of cthulhu stuff that i will end up doing bigger cthulhu pieces and he'll say i need i want this to be a really dark vibe i want this to be there's narlathep that i did for two one or two kickstarters ago um it was uh i don't, I, I love painting the cthulhu stuff i just don't know the mythos as well as i probably should um, but he wanted them dark, ruddy browns and tans and stuff like that. And that was really, he was like, that's the vibe I want. How you apply it is up to you. So, yeah, that's usually the, the, the extent of the art direction that I get. Now, there's a, uh, uh, Narthrax was a uh, dragon that I painted for Reaper Bones 2, maybe Bones 1 or Bones 2. Um, and when I first got it, he sent it to me. He's like, can you paint this up? Um, we're going to need it for box art eventually. I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm like, I think it should be blue. And that's what I'm feeling. He goes, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking red. So I paint one red. And sent, we all meet in Reaper. And I bring it with me and show it off. And Julie Guthrie, who sculpted it, is there. And um, he goes, you know, I think you're right. I think I want it blue. <laughs> and I had spent I had spent a good I would say at least 30 40 hours on this piece and I, you know, I, still got paid, I still got paid for it so I'm not complaining um, but I ended up I mean I don't paint the same miniature twice all that often um, but yeah I ended up painting a blue one and the red one you can see pictures on the Reaper Gallery but the red one lives with uh, Julie Guthrie now she was like I want it uh, I have to have that. So it was really cool when the, the sculptor that sculpted it said, hey, I want I want that. And that's another thing. It's kind of a little bit off this question, but another big kick um, is a lot of times I will get assigned or get assigned pieces through Ron in particular um, because the sculptor has said, hey, Ron, I want Michael to paint that. Um, that is super cool, too. I love it. Yeah, you know, Ron, to awesome. get to Rhonda gets the same stuff too. I mean, there was some stuff that Gene did, um, the the uh, little chibi dragons that he did. 
Um, he told Ron, he's like, I want Ron to painting these for me. I want Ron to painting them all. Um, and she was so, so super stoked and super excited about it. I thought that was really cool. So a lot of times that's, we're all kind of a, kind of a close knit of friends. And so it's, it's, it's neat that, that, that happens. Um, so. So now do you guys ever go, Oh, I wanted to paint that <laughs> all, all the time, all the time, all the time. I'm like, damn it. I wanted that. Yeah, I do that. I, I do. Because my eyes are too big for my stomach or painting hands, I should say, um, because I, yeah, there's, I, there's so many things that I'm like, I call the joke. A lot of times a joke is, and it started on the bones five updates. I just started calling bibs on everything. Mm. Um, kind of as a joke, but I wanted to spark interest and just, it was my way of saying, instead of saying, Oh, that's cool all the time. Cause everything's cool. Um, saying, Oh, I, that's so cool. I want to paint it. I'm calling dibs on it. Um, so <laughs> I, I by no means get anywhere close to the, all the miniatures that I call dibs on. If I get maybe 5% of them, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, a lot, a lot, uh, Jane Greenwald got to paint the, the, mer, the mermans and mermaids from the last bones Kickstarter and she killed them. She rocked them. They were awesome. Um, better than probably I could have done. Uh, but I'm still jealous. I wanted to paint them. <laughs> so. <laughs> now, so just a real quick with the difference between like a Jim from Dark Sword and Ron from Reaper kind of question. When we talked originally in the first episode that we, we did, we talked about how uh, you did Mossbeard Tree Man and uh, you had added all these little uh, squirrels and uh, birds and stuff to it. And Ron, Ron, Ron nicks those right now. Would Jim let you put squirrels and birds on a, on a tree, man? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Usually, and in most cases, and I learned my lesson, I think, with that one was um, when you're doing a studio model, you need to keep it as clean to what the person is going to buy as possible. Um, I like to do a lot of basing stuff. And for the longest time, yeah, Jim was like, no, I don't want any basing. Don't give me any basing stuff, you know, because I want to be able to sell this. Then he's kind of backed off on a little bit and I can add some stuff as long as it's on a, still on a gaming style base. Um, I have a little more leeway uh, with Ron at times, depending on what the figure is and, and what, what it's for. Sometimes I just, I will just go ahead and do it. There's a uh, Reaper, uh, virtual cons coming on coming up right now and um, next this weekend uh, March 4th uh, 5th 5th I don't know it's Friday uh, and uh, there's a 70 millimeter sculpt that Gene Van Horn did a cyber chick and I got a copy of it and I was gonna I'm painting it up for Reaper but I made this a uh, nice base behind it and wall and and everything and textures and all that stuff that aren't part of the miniature thing at all and 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 uh, Ron said great base not sure I wanted it, but great taste. So, <laughs> so is there, that uh, 70 millimeter figure, is that going to be available to purchase? I think so. I think, I oh, think I they so. all are, I think they're all going to be, um, the rest of the figures are in the new bones USA material. So it's a firmer, um, better definition kind of grace grayish scale bones material. Um, but yeah, this is one of their first 70 millimeter metal figures they've done in quite a while. Um, they have a lot wow. of Sophie's from back in the day, but yeah, it's, she's really yeah. super cool. Yeah. yeah. I have uh, two of their 54 millimeter, uh, the female uh, evil night and good night. Um, mm -hmm. And those oh, are, those okay. are beautiful. Yeah. I haven't paint. I, I want to paint them, but I just, they're in, they're on my list, but yeah, they're, those are, so I'm interested to see what Reaper does on a larger scale. Cause that's a, uh, 
So those are beautiful in the 54 millimeter levels too. Yeah, and they they mostly do you know 30 millimeter, 28 millimeter, kind of 32 millimeter, sort of around that scale. But they have, if you go in and mine, it'll all of course be metal. Um, they've got some nice 54s. They have a, um, a couple of pieces sculpted by Werner van van Klock, um and Monique, and there's another one. Fantastic pieces. Um, they're really cool. Um, they kind of lost little gems within their category. Their, their catalog, I should say. Right. I think one of them is Fonari, the Crusader, and I cannot mm-hmm. think of the the, the anti-paladin woman who yeah. did it. Yeah, I can't think With of her With the big name. flowing robes and everything, yeah. Right, and they, she's holding her sword straight out, like, yeah. you're yeah. next, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's super cool. Yeah, she's really cool, too. Uh, we've always pushed them to, uh, Rhonda and I and other painters have said, you need to do more 54s. Um, but their, their niche is the gamers. Um, so, and, and that scale, the 54 scale is just, and it becomes, you know, metal at that scale isn't cheap these days. So no, uh, no, no, I, absolutely not. And yeah, that's when you said metal 75, 70 millimeter. I'm like, Ooh, that's yeah. gonna, that's gonna hurt the wallet. <laughs> I know. I know. Everything's resin or hard plastic these days that I've had, uh, an opportunity to do some metal figures and it was almost, I had to find my drill bits um, and my files for the first time in quite a while, you know, instead of just using the X-Acto blade to scrape off the mold lines from resin and um, actually find those diamond files again on the old metal figures, which back in the day, that's all you had to paint were metal figures. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting now to see the Reapers brought so many new people into the hobby that they're, Really, their only real exposure has been their bones figures, their plastic figures. And so I've seen comments on the forums and on their Facebook pages and whatnot. I finally, work, I finally worked my way up to where I'm going to be painting a metal figure. So, that, you know, this is like the next step for them is mm-hmm. I just it's it's some, it's like real that's it's interesting because back in the day, that's all there were were metal figures. That's pretty funny because it's like, yeah. hey. There's some there's some plastic figures out there. I'm gonna work my way up to them. <laughs> exactly. Well, I remember painting metal figures, and then resin came out, and you know resin was a little more costly, but it had just finer, sharper, crisper detail, and mm-hmm. they were easier to clean. And 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 I remember I remember back in the day going, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my first resin figure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint my first resin. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I hate metal. I gotta hate metal miniatures. With a pa- with a passion, I chip them. I, you you name you name the thing that you're not supposed to do to a metal miniature, and I'll, I'm gonna do it, just because mm-hmm. that's how that's how I roll. And I hate prep mini I hate prepping miniatures. So yeah. I I hate prepping miniatures too. It's one of the sometimes it can be a little cathartic um, working on them, but uh, I just want to get to the painting part. And uh, inevitably, you know, I am horrible at catching all the mold lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back and touch things up all the time because I've missed one mold line or another. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My first competition piece I ever handed in, I ha- as I handed it in, I saw a mold line on the foot and I went, seriously? Right, Ser- I, right. I spent how many hours on this? And this <laughs> there's a mold line. And of course, the first thing was told to me by one of the judges, you know, you missed a mold line on the foot. I'm like, God, I was hoping nobody would notice. <laughs> I know. I know. It's always somebody else that finds them. You're, you could be staring at that miniature for 20, 30 hours and you wouldn't see it. And then you put it out and that's the first, first, first thing somebody else sees. 
Or you take it, or you take a picture of it, and you're like, "What in the world? I can't submit this." <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> sure. All right. So, Michael, we've you know we talked about a couple of things you would have liked doing, um, and things you've been, and uh, figures you've enjoyed. So, what do you have on your desk now, and what you're looking forward to doing? Ah. Well, I have, um, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, a few pieces for Dark Sword. Um, so they are, uh, without giving too much away, because Jim likes to kind of keep things secret until they actually get time for release, they are homages to, um, Jim and I have had a lot of conversations on uh, old Grenadier figures. And I mean, that's the Grenadier figures next to the Ralpartha, but really for me, the Grenadier figures back in the day are really what hooked me. I just love them. I just, I still have a bunch of the old original ones. So with not tipping which ones, um, there's a few that, uh, that I approached Jim with even and said, Hey, I, why don't, could, do you want to do these? Let's, are you open to doing that? Cause I know he's a huge fan of those other ones too. So, um, they're They're sculpted by Bobby Jackson. Um, that's a, that's a hint. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I'm super excited about them. They're really cool. So those are my, really my real commission pieces. I, so you guys have heard of black crow miniatures, um, if they're yeah. out of Europe somewhere, mm-hmm. I've made a couple of purchases with them. Um, and so those are my next personal projects and I have, uh, a mind work games, uh, figure the little post-apocalyptic guy. I can't think of his name right now. So um, usually when I'm doing my own things on non-commission related pieces, I'm usually grabbing some um, either a, a European resin um, that, I, you know, some some 54, 70 millimeter figure just so I can just spend time on it. And you and, and in most cases, there I have like eight or nine of those in various stages because I'll pick one up, work on it a while, pick one up and, and work on another one. Um, I finished up a uh, couple of confrontation pieces for my own self within the last couple of months, um, a couple of Wolfens, a Wolfen Prowler. And uh, uh, I just posted up some pictures this week of a Wolfen zombie. So I like to occasionally... I try to ba- go back and forth where I want to pay homage to the old sculpts and confrontation really isn't as old as you could go, but they have been gone for a while. Um, and they just produce some great stuff. I have a couple of Grenadier things that I'd like to, to, to paint too. I might even paint the Grenadier pieces that were the homage to the ones that Jim are doing too. So you can kind of see the difference in, in how time has progressed which it has drastically <laughs> what, what, what they can do now compared to what they were able, what they were able to do. And a lot of times they were restricted back in the day to just casting, being able to cast. And most of those pieces needed to be single, single pieces where now they don't have to be, they can be multi-part pieces. Like um, we all know painfully having to assemble those massively multi, multi you know, a, a single character is in 10 pieces. Give me a freaking break. Um, right. you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I stay away from a few companies. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that, but you, you kind of set me up for my next question there because both, <laughs> both you and I have been, uh, are fans of the, the mind work game sculpts. Well, mo- uh, most mm-hmm. of them. Um, 
And your shroom man, by the way, it's just absolutely amazing. It's uh, it's one I've looked at so many different times because you had sent me some pictures of it, and I've always scrolled back up to look at it. Um, oh, thanks. But we both bought the new 75 millimeter pu- uh, puppeteer. Now, mm-hmm. um, I shied away from asking this question before because I couldn't think of how to ask it. But when I look at it, I have to admit I'm a bit intimidated by it. Um, mm-hmm. As an inc- as an incredibly accomplished painter or, or, or like yourself, are, are there models out there that make you feel kind of the same way or at least make you go, OK, I really want to paint that, but I need to put that off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, I have more than a few figures that I've bought going. I have to have that. I'm not I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it yet, but it, it'll come. But and uh, and those that are like. Oh yeah, I really this is just the greatest thing. I I, I want to paint this, but I, I don't know the paint scheme yet. I don't have the vibe. And for me, I like to try to whenever possible create little bases and scenes around them. So I um, one of the guy one of the reasons why that um, Mindwork Games uh, post apocalyptic guy I haven't finished him is I haven't fully realized his base yet. And so for a lot of pieces for me, I even might get started on them, but they may not get finished until I can figure out um, the total scene for them yet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Even that puppeteer, I, I saw it. I have the original puppeteer from them, but I, I haven't painted that one either. Um, <laughs> but I have the big one. And, and for me, I took it out of the box. Of course, I always open up all the boxes and, and look through it and dream and imagine. Um, but I don't have, I don't have the scene yet in my mind mm-hmm. what I want, want to do. So as soon as like that comes to me, um, then I'll, then I'll start painting it, um, a lot of times. So, and yeah. which, which sometimes helps some, sometimes I will shy away from a full figure and just go to a bust because you don't necessarily have to have an elaborate base with a bust. Most of the times you don't. So sometimes it's just like, Oh, I can just do, I can just paint here and I don't have to worry about the story and the composition or anything like that. Yeah, I, I do. I, I've got one on you there. I did actually paint my original, the, the original one, because I did it for okay. a gift, for a gift, or gift for somebody. But my bet is you will probably start into your puppeteer long. I, I think I had that for five years before <laughs> it was the first resin mini I bought. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he is. He's on the list. It's just you know that that inspiration light's got to ignite, you know, and then so that's yeah. got to hit before I can really continue on with it for my personal stuff. Yeah. No, I'm right with you. And I, always for me, it's easier to paint when I have a story in my head for the figure. Okay. Like if I can think of like the whole story behind what they're doing, why are they on that mountain? Why are they doing this? Then I, then I, but typically the painting process is much faster. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't, um, I don't go to as many cons as I used to, um, these last few years, even nobody does. <laughs> no, well, uh, obviously, I will go to ReaperCon and been to uh, um, uh, GenCon a number of years ago. Went to Adepticon, what have you. But really, the last few years prior to pandemic um, has been some local cons here in Colorado and then ReaperCon. So I tend to not paint for the competition. I tend to just paint for myself and when the competition rolls around, I'm like, okay, what have I done lately that I'm most proud of? And I throw that in, in the little box and go to the con. Um, that's for me. And then what, and enter in whatever categories are there. And usually I've, I've painted enough things where I can just automatically hit the categories that I need to. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't, I try not to paint 
specifically for individual categories and competitions anymore. It's just not as fun for me. So when you do paint these, uh, uh, what are you looking for? I, I know we've talked about uh, when you know you're probably sitting around at a table or now someone's showing you something uh, online when you're uh, doing a commission for a company, but what really mm -hmm. draws you to something that you want to do just for yourself? How cool it is. <laughs> cool factor, okay. I mean, it really is. It really is. It's like um, I bought uh, – another thing that I picked up from um, Black Crow um, was uh, Eldoran. El El he's, he's an elf warrior in, in full plate um, with his he's – he's standing on a dragon head. Um, he's a, probably one of the most recent ones that I purchased on my own, just for my own personal stuff. And I just, I was really impressed with, uh, the studio painters, um, version of non-metal metal. I've been working on that as one of my skill sets. I've done shaded metallics for years and taught a number of classes on it and kind of maybe known for that. Um, but I've really been trying to take what I ended up incorporating and developing my style from traditional uh, shaded metallics into non-metal metal and so this piece not only the studio paint job spoke to me but just the way the sculpt is and I bought it mainly because there's a lot of armor on this elf and I want to work on that um, is one of the big pieces so that's or and then a lot of times again it's it's cool factor oh that's a cool wizard bust I want to get that or um, you know there's inevitably um, we all have piles of miniatures that they were just like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. But realizing <laughs> after purchase, <laughs> arriving home, are they going to make it out of the box? Are they going to make it the final realization of paint? Is Those are the major steps. <laughs> yeah, I think we all no. suffer from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Except for Dan. Dan doesn't have a, a pile of gray. He's at least primed everything. Yeah, I primed all <laughs> oh, wow. stuff. It's all primed black. Oh, wow. So I have, let's say, my my 30k um, dark angels, my uh, yeah. my black um, uh, Eldar, and uh, what else do I have? That's uh, oh yeah, Legion of Damned, but they have a little bit of red and orange in there, but they're all black. Yeah, so pretty much all my armies are black now. <laughs> so I can find another color primer I like, and I'll just start using that army. <laughs> You know, we've kind of touched on this a little bit as we've gone through, but, um, you know, recently we did our anniversary show and we kind of mm -hmm. talked about the things that uh, are uh, what kind of picked highlights from what artists had said to us about uh, the better, braver, happier process and the painting journey. And one of the things that you said that really impacted me and it kind of like, uh, on, honestly, it's a more realization almost on a daily basis was that when you take a class and this also kind of triggered the thought from you know you talked about your shaded metallics class which i've taken online um which is fantastic if anybody else gets a chance to take it um is that going into that class and basically forgetting what you know and focusing on what the teacher is trying to show you mm -hmm. and so i wanted to see if we could talk a little bit more about uh, kind of more about that process i know uh because it, it's hard like you know it's really funny i took this class from roman laplatte that was three days long and I really coming out of that should have at least been a 15 to 20 percent better painter just from the being being next to Roman. Um, yeah, just for just for signing up and paying the money. You should that, that should be an automatic money. improvement. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, just being in his presence, you know, when he 
poured a bottle of wash on a model and then started moving it around with his fingers. I was like, I'm in, sign me up for your church. Um, that's exactly how I want to paint sloppy and yeah. fun. Um, but, uh, I kind of, I feel like I wasted that class because I was trying to do stuff that I thought I already knew how to do, which I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe not on a conscious level fighting it. Um, but kind of on a subconscious level, thinking I knew how to do something I didn't and not listening. Is there, can you give us any advice on how to kind of break out of that habit or as somebody who teaches classes, um, something that a student can focus on to kind of break those habits? The, when I teach, um, and even when I take a class, um, I, when I teach, I'm like, okay, you're here to learn a new technique. Try to just put aside everything you think you know about this technique and listen you you know and, and try to absorb and ask me questions and try this new technique and wait till later to take this technique and incorporate it into your skill set um that is the biggest thing um it I, I i joke i'm like look if you guys uh if you if you guys get this right off the bat, I'm kicking you out of this class because I, I expect I want you to suck initially at this because you're learning something new. Um, if you I, and I'll, I'll joke is if I see anybody doing a really good job initially, um, you're going to have to leave and I'm going to re, we'll refund your money or whatever. And that's never happened, of course. But, um, you know, it's just letting go and not don't try to show off. Don't try to show that you're good um, in the class. Let the teacher show you what they're doing and go from there. I took a class with um, Sergio Calvo Rubio, and uh, he just blew my mind. I took a class from Alfonso. He blew my mind, and I really went into both of those classes trying to heed my advice as much as possible, just let go and um, absorb what they're saying. And I, it was, it was, it's particularly I was out of after Alfonso's class, I actually felt like he hurt my painting more than he helped it after the class. He, mm -hmm. the, the color theory and the application of it, I, it really made me have to stop and think about how I was using color and how I was using complementaries and tertiaries and, and bringing in uh, and using colors within a range, within a skin tone, newer colors or whatever. And it just, it, it stymied me for um, a month or so as my brain processed it through. And the same thing kind of happened with uh, Sergio's class was uh, he just went over a lot of his skin, his textures and his non-metal metal and stuff. And um, it took me a good few months to, to um, absorb it. And I thought I was getting in the class. I took good notes in the class. Um, and I could refer and follow up to and the miniature from the class. I'm like, yeah, okay. I tried to emulate what he was doing and what he was teaching. And then with that, my, my other advice is let go as you go in, let them feel it's you, you've paid the money. It's you have your total right to suck in the class, just as long as you're trying <laughs> to learn. Um, and then if you've paid all that money for the weekend workshop where, you know, you've gone to one of the cons and you've taken a two hour class, the thing is, after you took taken that class, practice it. Practice it that night, that afternoon, the next day, before it totally leaves you. Um, even you get out of that class and they, they've taught you skin tones or blending or whatever. Go if you've got a chance to go sit down and and practice that a little bit more. Just keep that repetition, get that muscle memory. And I think the key thing is is um, 
there's always that joke of, you know, people take the classes and they're a famous painter and they're automatically going to get better. Um, yeah, you, you're learning their techniques and you're learning the way that their brain, you're watching the way their brain processes and applies it. Your brain works differently. So you're going to have to translate that um, into how your brain thinks and then apply it. So it's going to take some time. Um, and you may have some setbacks in it, but inevitably, if you keep pushing towards it, um, you're going to get there and you're going to see great results. Yeah, I just, I know. And it's one of those things too, that when, when we had Alfonso on the show before the interview, um, started, he actually went into this diatribe about, uh, before we even, before we even started, he was like, sometimes it may take three years. You might be three years down the road and go, Oh, I understand what that guy said now. You know, like it may take a while to unpack everything that you learn in a weekend workshop. So, 100% you know. agree with that. Yeah. I got some, I was fortunate enough when he came to visit us in Colorado. I got some, spend some time um, chauffeuring him around and everything. And we had some conversations, uh, a lot of conversations about that. But yeah, he said the same kind of stuff. And it really, those, that kind of advice hit home. Um, and it's, it is, really cool to meet people from other parts of the world and learn their styles and learn um, how their approach to things, you know, Alfonso and Sergio grew up in that world to grow up and, and I believe they're in Barcelona to grow up around that history and that art mm -hmm. is just, is just awesome. Now, with that said, um, you know, when the, when the Europeans come over, definitely sign up for the classes and everything, but don't forget your, uh, American painters here too. Oh yeah. Um, there's some fantastic painters out there that, um, you know, take a weekend workshop with them or, you know, go to the cons and take a two hour class. I think sometimes a two hour class to learn and digest that little snippet in a lot of times is better, um, than a weekend workshop where you may just be all over consumed and you may, they may have hit five things, but you were really only able to retain two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think you raise a really good point in that sometimes you know uh, those of us in the mini painting world get fascinated with like kind of the foreign painters because mm -hmm. they are amazing. And some of you know if you have a conversation with Alfonso or Mark Mascalans or Sergio, they're super wonderful, super community people, you know. And so they mm -hmm. they're easy to get wrapped up in. But there are so many amazing painters. I mean, just what we've had on our show here, with, but, but including you, you know, Sam Lenz, Vince Venturella, you know, there's so many, um, uh, Kenny Boucher, um, amazing American, Kathy Wapple, you know, I can keep listing him because of how many, mm -hmm. there's a lot of talent here in the U.S., you know, even in Eric Swinson. Um, mm, yeah, especially uh, Eric, yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He, we, Dan was sat next to him in the Sergio class. He didn't really know who he was at the time. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we just started shooting a breeze and it was pretty freaking cool. And then like, oh, and then to run into him the next year and real, you know, and see he's done this fabulous freaking work and he's, then he gets to travel around the world and showcases cool art and everything. It was yeah, pretty... He won best in show that year at Nova. Yeah. And then Capital he, Palette, uh, yeah. Yep. I can't remember. I wish I could remember the name of that freaking miniature. It was uh, a, it, it's a Huntress from uh, Privateer Press. There you it, go. It's a Huntress. Was, That's right. Yeah, because it was a mini crate exclusive. Anyway, so it, besides what you, you're absolutely right. There's so many amazing. Shoshi Bauer is another one who does a Twitch as well. That was our very first guest. So yeah, you're, you're right, Michael. European painters are amazing, but we also have mm -hmm. a lot of good homegrown stuff here in America. Yeah, totally. For sure. 
Dan's lost again. Yeah, I am. So, (laughs) so uh, on the kind of same thought. No, but yeah, but you know, I think he kind of answered the question that I was getting ready to ask about, like, what kind of advice do you have to to our listeners and to your and and maybe even to your your guests and listeners uh, on how to be a better, braver, happier painter? Um, enjoy it. Simple as that. You got in, we all got into this hobby because we thought, oh, that's cool. I like these little toys. I want to paint them. And remember, that's why we got into it. Um, it becomes in a lot of us and a lot of us are competitive by nature and we want to enter and get better and progress and then enter competitions and win things and win trophies and paint for companies and get recognition and everything. Um, that's great. That's awesome. Um, I've gone down that road, but I've also gone down the road of taking myself or taking things too seriously instead of, and forgetting the enjoyment of it. And that's when my, when I start feeling like too much pressure or thinking like this, you know, I start losing the joy is when my work suffers, um, and my enjoyment and my engagement in the work suffers. There's been times that I've lost focus and, and had to put the brushes down for a couple months and just say, take a break. And, and, and if that's the case, feel free to take a break. It's not anything awful. And um, we've talked about this on the crow's nest with more than a few of the guests. Um, it, it's a running question of mine with folks is imposter syndrome. Do you feel it? And does it affect you? And, you know, it simply is, um, do you feel like I, I'm not really as good as people think I am. I suck. What's whatever it is. And to a person, everybody we've talked to has had that feeling. So I think a lot of, and I like to talk about on that show, because of course I've gone through that and I've gone, Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to, I'm going to wake up one day and they're all going to figure out that I really suck. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that I'm really a hack at what I'm doing here. Um, And I like to talk about that on the show because I want everybody else to see, because I've had these conversations with, you know, my friends that, and that I've met through the hobby. And um, I want everybody else to hear too. Yeah. It's not just you going that you have these feelings. Um, All of this is our art. This is what we're expressing our feelings and stuff about. You're gonna, you're, you're exposing yourself when you do that. So it's inevitable that you're going to feel a little twinge sometimes like, Oh, you know, ah, and you're exposed. Um, but remember, it's fun. And that's why you did it. And judging and entering competitions and all that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, it should be fun. And if if the judges or whatever it is don't like your piece and you love it, then that's what's important. That's true. I can think of a million uh, examples of people being upset about uh, feedback and mm-hmm. it being negative and taking it personally when really we're supposed to be just using that to learn how to grow and how to become better painters. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like the person that puts a, a Facebook post up and says CNC welcome, but that's not really what they want. They want validation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we, I can't remember whether we talked about that last time or not, but yeah. A little bit. Yeah. We got into a little bit onto it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
it's always, you know, kind of a balance of, you know, if someone asks me what they think, I try to figure I, what I think of a piece. I'm just trying to gauge from them how much they want to know. And if I have been able to talk to them before, um, I will ask, so what level of critique would you like? Um, do you, you want me to, uh, do you want me to go full bore on you or, you know, and I'll only ask that question when I know that the answer is going to be yes. They want me <laughs> to give them an in-depth critique because otherwise, right. you know, sometimes there's those folks that are, they, Hey, they just want you to say, that's cool. And I get it. That's, that's awesome because that's what they're, that's what they, that's their part of their hobby. They want, they want to show up. Hey, I, I finished this thing. That's great. That's awesome. Is that the world's greatest painted miniature ever? No, but that wasn't their intent and they had fun with it. So to them, that should be the, the world's greatest miniature. And I think it's awesome. I know you, yeah, you're, you're invaluable to me. I think like the last five projects I've worked on have, 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 uh, Michael Proctor guidance on them, which is much appreciated. <laughs> Happy know. to help. Yeah. You know, you're really good at say, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have another set of eyes to, you know, you know, I, it's, it's good to have you there. Cause you know, I thought, I thought I was my own worst critic and then I met Dan and then my, my, my wife heard what Dan says and said, hold her beer. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, you know, and I think the key thing that I like to, I, I love it when people reach out to me. Um, you know, if you, anybody listening, they see my stuff, they, I've talked to you or whatever. If you ever want any feedback, just reach out to me via Facebook. I'm always happy to, to give whatever advice I can. But like for you, for instance, I'm just, I see where you're going and I'm just trying to help you get where I see that you're going. And that's where I, that's my advice when I'm trying to give critiques or whatever, I'm trying to figure out what's their direction, what's their intent, where's their style leading them towards and trying to help push them mm -hmm. in that direction. You know, I think the thing sometimes with critiques I've seen with other folks is they're giving a critique to somebody and telling them to do things that it doesn't fit within how they paint or how they communicate with paint. It's, it's right. not to be too, you know, too trippy with that, but um, yeah. And so f figure out where they're going and try to help them along that path. And then, you know, so find um, if you're looking for inspiration from folks, you know, for me, for instance, I am just drawn to Sergio's stuff. I just am enamored by his stuff. I just think I just look at what he's got on. And I was like, that's cool. That speaks to me. I want to more emulate what he's doing not copy, but emulate so I can, because I can't do, I don't have his technical skills, but I can put what he's doing, hopefully, and put it into my skill set. Yeah, and I, I have to say thank you, because I know uh, that, that you've been a part of my improvement in painting. Uh, I, I think recently, probably in the last like three or four months, I felt like kind of a jump in my painting. And so I, I have to say thank you to you for all your advice for, for and guidance on that. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. That's part of it. It's giving back. It's having fun. Um, it's helping other people along because all of us were starting at and during the process at one place or another. And then there's always going to be people further ahead of you that, you know, I've got folks that I'm reaching out to all the time. What do you think about this? What am I doing wrong here? Why isn't this working? Why isn't this, why does this look stupid? You know, help me understand why I can't, why I'm not pulling this off, you know, so. It's, it's yeah. good to have it. And, and that's a big encouragement too, is 
have your core and I know I'm pretty positive we talked about this before but mm-hmm. have your core group of folks that your friends that you feel comfortable reaching out to and they're giving you honest feedback and not like Dan and just killing your spirit <laughs> I'm trying to li- I'm trying to bring everybody down to my level of, <laughs> of uh, poor spirit and uh... yeah I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd reintroduce the reintroduce the bus there the for bus, a second. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't want to keep you too much longer, Mike. This has been a great, great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for for being on the show a second time, being a part of the awesome. listening to Paint, Paint Dry family, um, and being a, a good friend. Um, can you why don't, why don't you remind us of your Twitch time? Okay, Twitch time um, is Tuesdays at uh, five o'clock Central Time on the Reaper Miniatures Twitch channel. Uh, look for the Crow's Nest. So we do that every Tuesday. And then every other Friday at um, 6 p.m. Central Time on the Reaper Twitch channel, we do Reaper Errant. And it's not a painting show. It's just the Reaper sculptors and painters uh, hanging out with Frank from Nightheart Gaming, and we're doing a D&D campaign. And I pub it all the time just because it's a blast. Now, I'm not necessarily and, and, and the first person. Go ahead. DM'd by Jesus. So. Yes, yeah, DM'd by <laughs> Jesus. Frank Schumacher. Yeah, he, he has long flowing hair. Um, he is good. He has a good hairband, 80s hair kind of thing. Um, look going. Yeah, he's but he's fantastic. And I have a hard time personally watching other people playing D&D, but I have a blast playing it myself. <laughs> so I try to drag people over there if they can. So I want to keep it going. Yeah, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, man. <laughs> yes, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Take care. You have a great night, guys. Dan and I would like to thank Michael Proctor of Clubber Crow Studios for joining us again. It's always great to have him on the show. He's become a great friend. Follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Clubber Crow Studios. You can watch him on Twitch on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Remember, we'll be his guests on Tuesday, April 13th. Come join in the shenanigans as Dan and I compete to see how often we can throw each other under the bus. And just as a reminder, that show is on the Reaper Twitch channel. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listening to Paint Dry or Twitter at, at Dry Painting. We also have a YouTube channel which is titled Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. Please like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcast. And if you could leave us a good review, that would be really helpful to the show. Yeah, send us an email at listening to paint dry at gmail.com. Tell us what you're working on. And uh, if you saw us on Tuesday, April 13th, let us know how we did um, or, you know, make fun of us. That's all good. We'll take those too. Just so you know, it's time to get on the bus and become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. See ya. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.